welcome to the Bureau Podcast. I'm Matt Cowan, the Bureau Chief and your host. Thank you for joining me. Well, if you've been following my social media and watching my videos on YouTube, you can watch and subscribe at the Bureau Asia, by the way, then you'll know that I'm fresh off a three-week trip to the Philippines. Actually, to be more precise, a three-week trip to Manila. So in actual fact, I got to visit just one of the 7,640 islands. So please take the information you're about to hear with a grain of salt. But at the same time, I hope you'll give it some thought if indeed you're thinking about visiting the Philippines anytime soon, or you just simply have an interest in the country and want to find out more about it. I like to think that What we're about to cover in this episode is pretty informative and hopefully entertaining and reasonably accurate. So yes, that's right. I spent a whole three weeks in the Philippine capital, which gave me quite a bit of time to get a feel for the city post-pandemic and to see how it's changed, if at all, since my last visit back in 2019, I think it was. I've been at least half a dozen times, I think, so I reckon I have the street cred to look at things fairly objectively. As a result of my trip, I've come up with a list of five things that, well, kind of bugged me while I was in Manila this time round. But before we get into it, I want to welcome the Bureau's content manager, Melanie Kasul, to the episode. She, of course, came along with me on the trip. How are you, Mel? I don't think you had any choice. <laughs> I didn't, actually. <laughs> we stayed at my house. I, th- I think it was all booked and, <laughs> and sorted before I could even make a decision. Mabuhay! Xin chào, fa choi, chuk mong nam Happy New Year! Whew! I just yeah, had to. You, I think you've covered just I've about covered everyone. I've covered about there. it. <laughs> I want you to say the Chinese one again. Gong he fa choi. Wow, okay. I okay. think some people say gong he fa choi. Gong yeah, he fa sure. choi. Yeah. Not sure. But yep, happy new year to everyone listening. And yeah, Manila. But technically, we stayed in Las Piñas, which is a suburb outside of Manila. Well, Manila. it's a city. Yeah. Yeah, it's it a is. city now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, It of used course. to be a municipality, that's, if that's right. the right word. Las Piñas is where we were. That was our home base. And we also visited Cavite and Quezon Province. And we did not succumb to the trend of going to BGC. Yeah, what is that again? What uh, is BGC? Bonifacio Global City. Okay, and so... It's, it's like a city like Las Piñas? No, it, I think they it? just call it like city, you know, just like, like a name. It's like a brand name. Okay. I think so. All right. So it's pretty high end. And- yeah, because BGC is actually inside Makati and Taguig, which right. are like two different cities. Okay. Yeah. So um, do you feel refreshed and re-energized after the trip? Yes. Yeah? And fat. No comment. Okay, so before we get stuck into our It's Not Always Fun in the Philippines list, Mal, Mm -hmm. I wanted to give our listeners who aren't that familiar with Manila some facts about it. Including me. (laughs) Geography is definitely not my favorite subject. And the naming of municipalities, cities, provinces, you know, has changed in the last 10 years since I've been living abroad and definitely a lot of stats. Okay, hit us. Okay, so firstly, let's get our terms of reference right because Mm -hmm. I've been in the habit of using the word Manila as a catch-all word to refer to what you might call Greater Manila. But it turns out that that's not right. 
In fact, the city of Manila is one of 16 cities that make up the National Capital Region, or NCR as it's commonly known. Yeah, back in the day, you know, we knew what NCR was, but we were just used to like, you know, putting down MM or Metro Manila on our addresses. Oh, right. So yeah. NCR isn't that new. It's not such no, a new... Oh, it's okay. been there. Yeah. Right. But we were... Yeah. Like, you, like I said, yeah. I don't know what's been happening in the last 10 years. Right. Okay. Now, this region known as NCR, as we've been talking about, encompasses something like 620 square kilometers or 240 mm. miles and has a population of around 13.5 million people. Ooh. As I mentioned, 16 cities make up the region, including your home city, Mel, Las Piñas. Yep, we are in the fourth district of NCR. (laughs) And um, NCR is the most populous urban area in the world. Now, Quezon City, part of NCR, and just next door to the city of Manila in the north, is the most populated city, while the city of Manila is both the capital of the Philippines and the most densely populated. Mm, how dense? <laughs> well, <laughs> they haven't done a survey on, on the people there yet. Now, just so you can get a handle on the extent of Manila's humanity, that's the city of Manila, remember, I want to give you some figures. Based on the 2020 census, the city of Manila has a population of approximately 1.85 million people in an area of just 42 square kilometres with a population density of 44,000 people per square kilometre oh or 110,000 people per square mile. <gasps> now, to give you some kind of comparison, I looked at the population figures of the city we live in here, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, Vietnam's biggest city. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to compare NCR and Ho Chi Minh City. So remember, NCR is, what would you call it? a collection of 16 cities. Mm -hmm. Now, it didn't make sense to compare the city of Manila with Ho Chi Minh City because Ho Chi Minh City is divided up differently. Yeah, districts, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And covers over 2,000 square kilometres compared to just 42 square kilometres or something like that for the Mm -hmm. city of Manila. So let's have a quick look at NCR and Ho Chi Minh City. Remember, as I said, NCR is made up of 16 cities. Mm. Now, if you thought Ho Chi Minh City was densely populated, then check this out. NCR covers just 636 square kilometres and has a population of around 13.5 million people. Whereas, as I just mentioned, Ho Chi Minh City covers just over 2,000 mm-hmm. square kilometres and has a population of around 9 million people, give or take, depending on reports. Oh, my gosh. But get this, Ho Chi Minh City's population density is around 4,300 people per square kilometre or 11,120 per square mile. However, NCR's population density <gasps> is an astonishing 21,000 oh, people per square kilometre or 55,000 per square mile. That's around five times more dense than Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, wow. And that doesn't mention the density of cars, like vehicles. Oh, yeah, no. And buildings. This is just people, people. living in people this particular space. People standing next to each other. Yeah, it's astonishing. And I think it goes a long way to explaining some of the points we're going to talk about in this episode. Yep, it's not all fun in the Philippines. Here we go. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the traffic. 
I noticed this time that the traffic seemed worse than ever before <laughs> and it dominated Manilenio. Yeah. Manilenio. I wanted to say Manilans, but <laughs> Manilenio discussions and the news wherever we went. And social media. Yeah, that's right. And it definitely did seem worse than before. Well, to be fair, though, we did travel at the peak of the Christmas season. So, yeah, but it is true that it takes an... You know, the average suburb denizen like me to commute into the central business districts of Manila or Makati and Quezon City, at least two hours, one way. Yeah. And it's, two hours, one way. Yeah, it's crazy. And also, and we're talking about, say, from Las Piñas mm-hmm. to uh, the city of Manila. So okay. let's say you're going into BGC or Makati, yeah. 16 kilometers. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking nearly two hours of traffic, of, of commuting time, which is mental. Um, also, when taking road trips, we went to a place called Villa Escadero in Quezon Province, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Quezon City, uh, which from memory is just 40 kilometers or, kilometers or so from Las Piñas. Yep. Where, and where we, we even staying. took the, the, the highway in the south. Yeah. Yeah. Expressway. Yep. Yeah. Is that what? Expressway. <laughs> they should work <laughs> on a name change, I think. <laughs> on the way back. So on the way there, it wasn't too bad. I think we, we woke did up it. early then. Yeah, we got yeah. there on the road early. I think we were on the road about 6, six 6.30 yeah. or something like that. Um, on the way back, it took us over four hours. I think five. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe I'd passed out by then or whatever. <laughs> I was numbed. Um, I think I calculated at the time that we moved on average about 10 kilometres an hour on yeah, the motorway. That is um, And also worked out that a marathoner <laughs> would have beaten us home provided they weren't run over by a jeepney in the bicycle lane. Yeah, well, the main issue I think is that, you know, the roads are too narrow. There has been a lot of development, um, new housing, buildings, and of course people. Uh, are able to buy their own cars now. There's more trucks yep. to facilitate public commuters, but those lanes are just two-way lanes. Yep. Well, to say there are infrastructure issues would be an understatement. There isn't really a rail system to speak of, although there is a metro, mm-hmm. but there are only four lines, I think, which doesn't nearly cover enough of the city and I've never ridden it. But you've ridden a jeepney underneath it. it. (laughs) That's close enough. Yeah. So the public transport options for getting around are trikes, jeepneys, buses and taxis. Oh, and um, the app rides or there's this weird name that I put it. Oh, yeah. I forgot. It's like Grab, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ancas, Ancas, I think. Yep. What does Ancas mean? Uh, Ancas means that you're like um, on somebody's back, like piggybacking. piggybacking. Oh, cool. It's like om. It's like say om. Yeah, like om. Okay, exactly. in Vietnamese. Um, anyway, if you'd like to know more about jeepneys and trikes, check out my YouTube channel. I did a couple of short videos about them and they've had some good views, Mel. Not mm, bad for me anyway. Very good. Yeah. Look, if you guys are traveling to Manila, skip the taxis. They are dodgy <laughs> as hell. They always make excuses that their meters don't work and they try to con you into, you know, like a fixed price that's like, a hundred and ten percent. Oh, I've never, never heard of that before. Oh, yeah. Is that a new strategy? Well, yeah. You know, higher than the real cost of your fare, obviously. Ride-hailing apps are a hit and miss, especially for pickups inside gated communities where we were. Right. So they don't really do door-to-door. And, you know, I think I've been spoiled in Vietnam. Everywhere you have yeah, well, Grab, I drive you Gojek. Around a lot. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't even need, I don't even need an app for you. <laughs> I just roll over in the bed and go, let's a go. Kick. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, look, jeepneys have evolved. Um, I was able to see we were able to ride an electric jeep yeah there's there's some cool little electric yeah. ones around they're not like the big diesel spewing ones no but um, you know jeepneys cool. and the electric ones they're only good you know like around the city or like in between cities that share a, a common thoroughfare like for example las piñas paranaque and then alabang yep. so that jeep it's would- kind of hard to explain it if if you've, mm-hmm. if you've never been to manila and you've never been to the outer cities yeah. the cities are sort of made up of villages gated communities sort of really. gated communities yeah. yeah and then each gated community has a its checkpoint own, with a security guard with holding their, a pump their own colored color-coded tricycles yeah so, so like yeah. if i lived in bf resort my tricycle can't go into bf homes even though it's the same you yeah, know, it's, owner. It's all a bit complicated. <laughs> oh, and there's another one. So commuters now from the south have to change rides at this area called Pitix, P-I-T-X. And it's called the Paranaque Integrated Terminal Exchange. <laughs> Pitix, which is, by the way, when uh, you say Pitix, Pitix, it's like snap. Oh, right. Yeah, it is. So it's, it's, a very ni- very <laughs> it's, it's a nice enough concept, you know, to keep big, public vehicles out of Manila, especially those coming from, let's say, Tagaytay or Batangas. And, but that area lacks a metro line at the moment. I know there are plans to extend the light railway train thing from Baclaran Church to that area in, in Pasay, but it's not there yet. Just on trains. Yeah. Are there actually trains that leave the city? Like even, um, what do you call them? Like, like the Beagle Express. You know, ones that take, um, what do you call them? I can't even think of them. The, the, the cargo the trains. Train. No, but the ones that take produce and whatever else. Uh, um, remember that, though? Do they go up on, because well, it's remember, on Luzon, the yeah. island of Luzon. Does it go up north? Is there a train yeah, line Beagle, that goes? Yeah, the Beagle Express. Oh, right. Remember okay. that? Yeah. yeah. But okay. There are trains. And they do have a train line and it's somewhere near in the middle of Pasay and Makati. This is area, yeah, that a train line Okay, so you can, you can tell uh, how popular trains are in the Philippines. Or you can tell how Mel. long I have not been <laughs> yeah. back in my country. But um, going back to <laughs> other forms of public transport, we spent tons of time taking them just to go to the supermarket, shopping, mm-hmm. mall, shopping malls and stuff like that. Um, and just from your parents' house alone, you know, just to give you a bit of an idea, you know, if we wanted to go to the, the supermarket or a mall about five kilometres up the road, yeah. um, we'd go from Melanie's parents' house. To the corner. We'd walk, yeah, to a corner somewhere to get a trike. Mm-hmm. Near the clubhouse. And then ride it to a jeepney stop. Then if needed, <laughs> hail a bus or something else just to get anywhere. So. No wonder people just drive their own cars. Yeah, well, we could walk. We could. Yeah, well, yeah, well, depends on the weather probably yeah, as true. well. Like, you know, it's a tropical city. So anyway, which this leads on to the next point I want to po- talk about today, and that's health. Mm, health is not fun in the Philippines. I 
just mentioned cars and people who have them, drive them everywhere. Mal, you said that. Um, so you'll typically see most times of the day four-lane highways jammed with cars. And motorbikes. And I've got to say, yeah, there's more motorbikes there now. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, it's seriously having an impact on Filipinos' health. They just don't generally look healthy at all. Sitting now, on those motorbikes. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty lazy at the best of times, but spending time in Manila drags me into the same mentality as the locals where I give in and I just say, let's go by car. <laughs> you know, there doesn't seem to be any sort of nationwide campaign or public service announcements about obesity, diabetes and heart health, for example. Just commercials about Jollibee, Maccas, KFC, and skin whitening creams. Oh, yeah. We've They've got still a lot of those. got that, yep. you know, which yep. is incredible. In fact, I went looking for some stats online about obesity and heart disease in the Philippines, and it was pretty difficult to find anything factual and up to date about it. I'm not too sure why. Well, maybe the COVID pandemic, you know, focused too much on COVID stats. They forgot. Yeah, there about, was a fair yeah. bit about that. Yeah. Um, the Who? Um, the Who? The Who, it had very little, and even then it was dated back to 2016. Mm. But I managed to find something on the UNICEF website that says around, okay, brace yourself, Mel, okay. 27 million Filipinos are overweight and obese. Yeah, I'm That's, not surprised. Yeah, I'm not either, you know, getting walking around the, mount, the malls and yeah. stuff like that. That's about a third of the population. Mm-hmm. And that for the past two decades, overweight and obesity – has almost doubled from 20.2% in 1998 to 36.6% in 2019. And so that's, that's just not for adults. Yeah, that's the, um, that's the entire population. And you know what? Like just going there, I would mm-hmm. believe it. Oh, yeah. I would believe it. Um, it's also doubled among adolescents from 4.9% in 2003 to 11.6% in 2018. There are plenty of fat kids in the Philippines, Mal. And what's surprising, or not, is that there's really only been recommendations to introduce guidance in determining the food and beverages that can be marketed to children and for front-of-pack labelling of food products. Although Coca-Cola came up with like <laughs> two new different sizes since our the visit. The national drink, just in case. Yeah, the, the Sacto yeah. and the, uh, the other one. Yeah, actually that um, yeah, the Coke the Zero one. thing yeah. with no sugar or whatever yeah. is really popular. Uh, so no, but also the, the, the size. Oh, yeah. Remember These that little tiny, thing? So, so you can have a little uh, Sakto means just right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's like less than 200 mil. Yeah, it's like yeah. a, yeah, about 100 mil, 150, 150 mil or something. Little yeah, pocket yeah, size yeah. things exactly. there, little hand grenade kind of things. But it's still Coke. But as it stands at the moment, food manufacturers can use whatever tactics they like to target Filipino children. And parents. Yep and to encourage them to eat their products. It's outrageous, really. Look, what can I say? Filipinos, me included, we were never really educated or saw advertisements about healthy eating and exercise. I think I told you some, you know, like when we were first dating, I said, I've never had like fresh milk. It's always like UHT milk. And you you were telling me you were a dairy farmer and you were like drinking milk straight from the cow's tit or something like that. (laughs) And I'm like, what? I said that that in confidence. (laughs) Sorry. But yeah. And the thing is poverty. Look, um, the poverty argument would always pop up in that healthy food, you know, um, conversation. It's just too expensive to buy vegetables, onions, 
oh my gosh, there was this, you know, huge kerfuffle about onions when we were there. And how can you not go for the Unli rice oh, and the yes. Unli iced tea? And this is not like a southern iced tea in America. This is sweet, nasty iced tea. Can you just and it's explain Unli. Unli for a moment? Unli <laughs> is short for unlimited. So if you like, say, go to a carinderia or a restaurant and you would buy like one plate of adobo, you get one plate of rice. But if you want more rice, you can have unlimited rice as much as you yeah. want. And look, if you were trying to feed a family of five children, that's like a really good deal. Yeah, that's right. And you just need to take a day trip and hit the highways to see all the roadside stops. And actually, you get plenty of time to to see them as In they traffic, go by because you're going yeah. pretty slowly. Um, all the roadside stops with Jollibee, Maccas, KFC, Wendy's and mm-hmm. so on. Chow King. It's really, oh, Chow King is everywhere. Um, it's criminal. But um, I must admit, though, we stopped in at one or two along yeah. the way. Um, but in all seriousness, if as much effort and paranoia went into improving rates of obesity, heart disease and diabetes as goes into COVID-19 in the Philippines, then things would be looking up. Anyway, this might be a good jumping off point to hit the next one on our list, poverty. Now, this is a really heartbreaking topic and I don't mean to bring the vibe of this episode down any lower... But seriously, if you're contemplating visiting the Philippines, you're going to have to be prepared to be confronted by this. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, I've been to the Philippines a bunch of times, but it's probably this poverty Mm. that still gets me every time. I think you're still protected somewhat of it because we live in a middle class uh, gated community and there's still a gate, you know, there's still this barrier between you. And yep. the real poverty. And there on are the people streets. sort of working behind the scenes yes. to, to separate people, yeah. you know. So, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't encounter too much of this here in Vietnam, although I did when I first visited here as a backpacker about 25 years ago. Um, but Vietnam seems to have done a pretty good job in raising its citizens out of poverty. The Philippines, on the other hand, it's a different story. Mm -hmm. It's very much in your face from the day you arrive. And it was really extra heartbreaking this time because it was Christmas. And, you know, but maybe most Pinoy baiting vloggers don't experience it because they are just hanging around in BGC (laughs) or in an exclusive Boracay or Palawan beach resort where, you know, all their expenses are being paid for. So, And if they are documenting it, it's for shock value. You know, there's there's a few of those videos coming through on my feed Mm -hmm. about the North Manila Cemetery. Oh yeah. That's where I contemplated doing a video at, but I in the end I decided not to because Mm. um I didn't really know how to manage it. Yeah. I didn't want it to be this video about, oh look at how these poor people live. I wanted it to be more sort of documentary style, but I hadn't really done the research when we went. So Mm -hmm. I just Yeah, I kept away from that one. But also, you know, when we did the street food video in Ogbo, Tondo, Manila, I, you know, we agreed that we were going to blur the faces of the children as much as possible using the YouTube automation tool, you know. And so 
that was that was kind of like um yeah the reality check for us about poverty yep doing um, content this time around yeah the disparity between the haves and the have-nots just gets me every time. According to the World Bank in 2022, the top 1% of earners in the Philippines capture 17% of national income, while only 14% of national income is shared by the bottom 50% of the population. And you can see it. As you said, if you get out of the Pinay beta zones like BGC, Mel, and mm. get amongst the real Manila, Tondo. like Tondo, for yep. example, where we went to Ugbo Street for yep. the street food videos. And in places like this, this is where you see the impact of over 18% of Filipinos living in poverty. Yeah, That's 18%. 18% of Filipinos live in poverty. I also read somewhere that 2.3 million people were pushed into poverty during the pandemic mm. years. Now, the Philippines Statistics Authority says the threshold for falling below the poverty line was an income of 12,030 pesos per month. That's about 220 US dollars for a family of five people. Although, to be fair, the last time we were in Manila, pre-COVID, there were way more informal settlers and street children begging in, you know, on intersections than what we saw this trip, you know. Up, I, I read that up to 200,000 people living in the coastal area, you know, near Manila Bay yep. and that, you know, you can see it uh, yep. coming in. Near the U.S. Embassy. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, you know, the former mayor of Manila who lost uh, in last year's presidential race apparently did a good job cleaning up, you know, Manila Bay and the coastal areas, Manila thoroughfares and tourist landmarks and you know, not just shooing people away, but supporting them in relocation. And actually during the pandemic, they did, you know, go home to their provinces elsewhere. But right now, they're slowly coming back because there's really no jobs outside of the cities. And yeah, look, my country is in a really terrible state. Thank you to all the tourists who are coming there and vlogging about it. But if you do encounter poverty, such as what we describe, I just hope that you take, um, you know, a more proactive approach uh, on how to deal with that in, in your content. I mean, really, that's all well, I'm it's, asking. It's yeah. hard, isn't it? I mean, um, one of the really visible signs of poverty is the impoverished kids on the streets yeah. begging for food and money. You see it a lot. And I was approached quite a bit being the Joe that I am. Uh, they thought you were American. Yep. And uh, <laughs> standing out like dog's balls. But, yeah. you know, what can you do about it? Look, I'm stopping my comments about this topic right here because otherwise I'm going to go more into religion, <laughs> i.e. contraception but uh, what? or the lack of information about contraception and safe family planning yeah. and, of course, politics. But so. what about for tourists? Let's say someone's listening to this and they're thinking about traveling to mm. the Philippines mm -hmm. for a short time, you know, and, and they'll get approached by yep. these young kids and, yep. and people of all ages. Mm -hmm. Do you give them money? Do you give them food? Um, it's, a, it's a dilemma for, for many travelers. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have some kind of conscience about yeah. it. Um, Look, and for especially me, for travelers who go off the beaten path a bit like I, us. Yeah, I just, you know, just don't show the faces of the children. And when they do beg, um, like 
it's really up to the person. I would rather give So you mean food. if they're videoing, yeah, don't, yeah. don't show their faces yet? Don't show their faces. Don't show yourself giving them food. Mm. If you want to really give them food or, or money, do it off camera and just don't be a dick about it. Actually, when we filmed the Ugbo Street mm-hmm. series of videos, I was approached throughout the evening a number of times and what I... The approach I took in the end was kind of like what I did for any kid mm-hmm. that they would forget after a while. <laughs> you know, I sort of said, okay, well, look, I'm, I'm kind of working right now. Yeah. Come back later. And uh, some of them did come back throughout the night. Forgot. And then eventually we were able to sort of get out out of there and, and just and leave. You know? Well, you were so, the only white person there. I know. That I didn't night. see any that yeah. night. Well, here's to the memories. We wish you Americano. We wish you Americano. We wish you Americano and a happy. The the original thing that comes after that, I'm not going to say. It's really politically incorrect. So let's get into the next point, number four, which kind of ticked me off more than it has in past trips. And that's that Filipinos seem to embrace a welfare or what you might call a handout culture. They seem to have no qualms about asking for a handout. So this is, is this a synonym for charity or you don't think that it is a synonym for charity? Well, asking for charity, I suppose. I, I guess it falls into that sort of okay. realm. All right. Um, I know coming from me, this sounds racist, elitist, colonialist, whatever you want. Atheist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm just calling it how I see it from my experience. I mean, that's just how I saw it. It was in your face, and wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And one example was these what you might call riders, for lack of a better word. Adults begging for money who get into the back of jeepneys and place small red envelopes. And, it, you know, obviously it was Christmas, New Year, so mm-hmm. red envelopes yeah. are a thing. Um, on the knees or laps of passengers in the hope that you'll take pity on them mm-hmm. or perhaps be so overcome with guilt that you'll slip some money into the envelope. Yeah. Now, that's just a handout in my book. There's nothing commercial about it. There's nothing you receive in return for it. Or... At- yeah. Although, wait, to be fair, there was um, a younger gentleman who did give out, we were riding a bus from Tagaytay and yeah. he had a note on the envelope that said, I am a college student and then he was selling oh, cookies, yep. wasn't he? Yeah, well, well, he was, he was, you know, it was almost like a business for okay. him. Whereas the, the ones I'm talking about are people who will uh, jump on with other people, okay. the passengers. All right. And then while the jeepney's going along, they'll, hand out, they'll hand out these envelopes, sit them on mm-hmm. your lap in the hope okay. that you'll slip some money in there. And mm-hmm. then when the jeepney stops the next time, they collect it and get off. That's oh, it. Okay. What, what's your opinion on that lady who went <laughs> oh, in the middle of the bus and then uh, started uh, um, talking like telling us about the Bible. Well, that was... And then she even had a little player. She had a musical yeah, that, player and a microphone. Yeah, but that's, that wasn't really... That was... What do you call that? Soliciting? Evangelizing? I don't know. I don't know. She, uh, to, to give some background, we were taking a bus trip out to one of the provinces, an hour-long bus trip, and not long after I, we got on the bus, I realized that there was a lady 
standing close the to the of front the of the bus. Aisle. And she was speaking in Filipino, of course. And then I noticed she was holding a book. And at Quoting first, from the book. Yeah, at first I thought she was a tour guide <laughs> because there seemed to be people sort of looking up and listening oh, and taking notice. And the bus driver actually uh, put down the volume of, of the, the TV. TV. Yeah. yeah. So I and thought it was like, yeah. So I said to Mel, after a while I'm like, hang on, what's going on here? Is she? She's preaching. Preaching, yeah, out of the Bible. And, she go, and Mel said, you said. Mm. Yeah, that's what's going on. Anyway, this went on for about another 15, 20 minutes or so. And she also had a little, <laughs> like you said, a little. Transistor. Yeah, like a transistor radio yeah. that was slung around a shoulder and hung playing down music. on a hip. Playing um, sort of churchy kind of music. While she went around with music. an envelope. And then, yeah, she went around handing out envelopes, hoping that people would give her money. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Which of the three examples would you give a handout to? The lady preaching, the college student selling cookies oh. to help for his um, um, university, or the the guy in the jeepney that just went in and oh, didn't say anything. Oh, the college student for sure, but there was probably no way for me to verify that. I don't even. I don't know if he was telling the truth, but you know, he was. Doing, he should have shown his ID. Yeah, he was. Okay, he probably okay. did. Yeah. I don't know. I was pretty sleepy at that time. I must admit. So um, you. You are amenable to um, the handout culture with particular requirements, <laughs> yeah, such as so. a ID, school That's ID. It. There's or- so many different levels of it, isn't mm. there? So it's constant. Anyway, for, for travellers who are thinking about going there, be prepared for all this sort of stuff, uh, <laughs> unless you're someone who just doesn't give a damn. But yeah, you know, it's a privilege to be able to travel and that realization is even more so when you visit places like Manila. Now, I'm coming from an extremely privileged position to be I. able e. to White, do what I do. Not necessarily <laughs> yeah. the bank yeah, account. Look, yeah, I'm not going to say I'm not. <laughs> um, but you know what? You need to draw the line somewhere, okay. like like what we've just talked about. And sometimes you just have to say no when these things happen. Um, well, I think I said a no to a lot of the kids ringing our doorbell this time around. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's the yeah. other thing. Maybe that's a cultural thing you want to just no, mention quickly. No, because I just, I just felt that, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't just ring people's bells and, and <laughs> went, na mama skupo. We, me and my friends, we actually made an effort. We sang Christmas carols. We pounded bottle cap, uh, you know, covers and made our own little tambourine. Well, you didn't really have technology way back then. No. But Namama Skupo is basically Merry Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. Pa is like um, a respectful term that you give to another person. Yeah, Pa. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, they come around and they start singing Christmas carols and they want you to give them (laughs) some, some money. Okay, so uh, let's move into our final point for this episode, and it's on the topic of safety. Mel, you've got some first-hand experience in Manila <laughs> that you'd like to share about safety. Okay, so about seven years ago, uh, you, me, uh, my brother, and my sister-in-law, we ate at this posh restaurant in Alabang, which is a, a posh village, you know, an area. Well, it wasn't on the street. No, 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 it wasn't. It was a regular sort of restaurant. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't no. a fine dining. 
establishment. It was, I think, Japanese food. Yeah, it was a Japanese yeah. place or something. But like anyway, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got my bag, my wallet, a new pair of eyeglasses, sunglasses, yeah. uh, nicked, just there inside. Literally right under our noses. Yes, yeah. because I was stupid. Well, there was a glass wall. that. <laughs> but we were still eating the inside. Glass, the glass wall of the of the restaurant butted up against the table on the booth sort of tables. Yeah. And so people walking past on the outside could, could see, see in and see under the tables and see if people had things yeah. beneath and there their was, seats. There was a booth behind us and in front of us and the CCTV camera after yep. the fact showed that that lady yep. just They'd noticed took, yep, took that my your bag, bag was under the seat and they came in under the guise of uh, dining at the restaurant. Yeah, she... Well, she I don't know. To I still pregnant. don't know whether she was pregnant yeah. or not. Maybe that was part of it so yeah. that they could stuff the bag up under her dress. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you, you would think that you'd be pretty safe in a place like that, um, but we still managed no. to get robbed. But I guess it's extremes. Like you eat at this restaurant in a posh village, but then you get robbed. But at the same time, you go, you know, to any Jollibee and <laughs> the security guard has like a, a really long shotgun. Yeah, you're going to be pretty unlucky if you get robbed at a Jollibee because <laughs> the doorman is a security guard with a pump-action shotgun. Yeah. You know, or a pistol. Yeah. So even at a Jollibee. But, you know, going to shopping malls, for example. Well, COVID um, safety, could, we do, could yeah, that yeah, also be part of it, yeah. like on the other I think there's extreme? A bit of, I think there's a bit of paranoia in yeah. the Philippines about COVID. But um, your brother was telling me that the Philippines still doesn't have a 100% vaccine rate mm, at the mm, moment. Not yeah. everyone's had the double shot. So. Yeah. Allegedly, Manila's fine, but a lot of the, of course, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, how many islands? 7,000 whatever islands there are in the Philippines. So it would be a fairly tough job rolling out Mm -hmm. a vaccine program, I suppose. So they're very paranoid about it. When we made our reservations at the Villa Escudero, um, my brother had to give me the COVID certificates of my nieces to show at the door. Yep. You know? Um, also, in terms of security, banks, of course. <laughs> now, it was, you know, I'm used to this now, so yeah. it's not that shocking. I can remember oh, the first yeah. time we, I, I went to the Philippines and we went straight up to Baguio and uh, Vegan. Yeah. We went to Vegan and there was a night market there. <laughs> and, uh, there were these big Rambo knives for sale at this family-friendly night but market. But across the street. And then across the street was a bank. And yeah. then a, a security guard holding um, an AK. Uh, yeah, I think it was an AK forty seven <laughs> or something like that. And that's when I went, oh. Uh, but you know, just at the local bank that you went to last trip, you know, there's a sign there. There's usually a couple of security guards there, and there was a sign that said, "Hand your weapons in at the door." You know, and, a, and a picture of a gun with a red Where line through we? it. Where are we? Welcome so, to Texas. Uh, and this is just down at your friendly local mall. But look, by and large. Um, it's pretty safe for travellers, I've got to say. And stick to BGC travel well, vloggers. <laughs> well, if you're not if you're worried about all that sort of stuff, and perhaps if you don't have that much time when you visit the Philippines and you're only in Manila mm. oh, this uh, trip, for a short time. This trip I didn't take you to Chinatown, Quiapo and Divisoria, yeah. but we went there the last time Binondo. we were there. Binondo. Yeah, yeah. And you were like scared. No, what? Yeah, it was hey, like that's nine o'clock. not in the script. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that was um, Chinatown, Escolta. 
around, around Escolta and Lawton. Yeah. Uh, Lawton. That's a different story. I, yeah, I forgot about that. But um, generally in, in cities like Las Piñas and Cavite, pretty good, although there is a vibe. Mm. There is a vibe. And um, when we came back from that trip out of town yeah. and it was nighttime and in there's no lighting, yeah. the streets are dark and all that. And it's a, it's a vibe and There's edgy. a light at the barbecue. It's an edgy <laughs> vibe that you don't really get here in Ho Chi Minh City. There Medicine. might be some um, districts in Ho Chi Minh City, maybe around District 8, not mm-hmm. too far from where we are, um, if you were there in the evening with no light. Uh, but, look, I don't really feel threatened generally. I'm white, fairly big mm. <laughs> compared to Pinoy's. Uh, so I don't know, maybe I'm not that much of a target for that sort of thing. There are still some shakedowns on the streets, you know, some of the, the traffic cops still want you to yeah. cough up when you, when you break the traffic law. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not speaking from experience. No, somebody told me, somebody <laughs> yep, told a me. A friend of ours. Yeah. And security services sort of, I felt like this time, you know, the security guys they between the villages. They had a box. Yeah, but they, I think the thing that got me was that they were giving us the impression that they're serving us and, and making sure that we're fine. But at the end of the day, it, it leads to a shakedown. Oh, you know, you they want some them cash. Christmas money. Yeah. yeah so there's right. that underlying thing constantly in Manila where every action, you know, deserves or, is requiring some kind of payment. That's what keeps the whole machine running. That's what keeps people safe. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please give it a like, share and comment and feel free to ask any questions about travel to the Philippines on the Bureau Asia's social media channels at the Bureau Asia and I'll do my best to answer them. Mal, As usual, thanks for joining me and I (laughs) might see you in the next one when I plan to compare, compare that is, Manila with Ho Chi Minh City, which should be a good one. All right. Yes. See you then. So don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Just search The Bureau Asia and something should come up. Give it a watch and subscribe. I'm on a mission to hit 1,000 subscribers as soon as possible. So please help me with that mission. I think I'm on 541. Not that I'm counting. (laughs) Anyway, until next episode, take care and stay safe. This is Matt Cowan. Mabuhai. Bye.